Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, I talk to my colleague Rupa Subramania about vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, and the all-important marketplace of ideas. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Andrew Lawton Show, Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. It is Thursday, August 25th, 2022, and I want to talk about this story that came up on Twitter, and I, I try to avoid trying to extract too much in the sense of reality from Twitter, because oftentimes it's the exact opposite of the real world. But there was a, a thread that emerged there, and I don't mean a Twitter thread, I mean a thread in the more esoteric sense that I, I wanted to delve into involving my friend and colleague Rupa Subramanya, and I thought it touched on a number of the issues we cover regularly on this show, uh, like vaccine mandates and vaccine passports and whatnot, but also this idea of civil discourse and the marketplace of ideas and how we talk so often, especially on the right, about the importance of free speech and open debate, but oftentimes people can be very hostile to differences of opinion. And in some cases, people can have a difference of opinion with themselves a few months back. And for that, I, I want to welcome to the program my colleague Rupa Subramanya, who is the host of the Rupa Subramanya show and also writes to the National Post and Barry Weiss's Common Sense Substack and all over the place as well. Uh, but before I do, just to set the stage, Rupa broke this tremendous story for Barry Weiss's Substack about the lack of a scientific basis for the air travel vaccine mandate. The story did very well online. Some conservative politicians picked it up, but for the most part, the Canadian media establishment avoided the story altogether. And there was a little bit of a controversy on Twitter that emerged when some people dug up this old tweet from Rupa that I'll share with you in a couple of moments time in which she talked about supporting the idea of a vaccine passport from August of, of 2021. And her position has clearly changed now, so I wanted to delve into this and also talk in general about where we are in the COVID situation and how a lot of Canadians, I think, that went along with some of the things in the official narrative two years ago have now a wildly different view of all of these issues. So, uh, Rupa, we'll get to all of that, but it's good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, thanks so much, Andrew, for having me again. It was interesting. I was going to invite you on anyway to talk about this story. That I, I don't even want to say a story, but this little mini faux controversy that was circulating on Twitter. You had a, a bunch of people that took a tweet that you had posted in August of 2021, so a little over a year ago, and we'll show it on the screen here. If you can't force people to get the vaccine, restrict their access to events, indoor venues, etc., vaccination appointments in Quebec doubled after the province announced vaccine passports. Enough with the pussyfooting already. Time to get serious. And you had people that were putting criticisms towards you, uh, despite all that you've said in the many months since then about vaccine mandates and restrictions and whatnot. And you wrote a, a piece in the National Post that really delved into this evolution on your part. And I, I think it's incredibly important for people not just to hear about your own journey on this, but I think in general, where a lot of Canadians are on this. So I'll, I'll start with asking you about 2021. Where were you? In what sort of frame of mind your approach on COVID, on politics, on policy in Canada a year ago now? Um, well, I was in the middle of a mental health crisis, um, just to put it simply. I don't discuss it um, 
you know, um, publicly, but uh, that's where I was. Uh, I was dealing with uh, my parents' situation in India. My parents uh, refused to be vaccinated, and my father uh, suddenly fell ill with tuberculosis meningitis, which in itself is pretty deadly. And um, as soon as he was discharged from the hospital on a routine uh, visit to the hospital for a checkup, he was diagnosed with COVID. And I thought I was going to lose my dad and my my and my uh, both my parents. And my parents live on their own, so I was dealing with a lot of stuff at that time. It was very traumatic experience. I really felt that had they been vaccinated, uh, that they would have um, uh, that they would have um, had a uh, you know they they probably wouldn't have gotten COVID and they wouldn't be in that situation. Also, I couldn't uh, uh, visit them in India. Uh, there were very few flights at that time, and uh, there was just no way for me to get there. Um, and but I was fortunate that I had uh, a distant relative who was there uh, looking after them, and so I was. Um, uh, you know, but, um, you know, I, I was okay with that situation at that time, but uh, just to, you know, just my own personal experience is that, um, that, you know, I, um, I don't know if you, you remember the, these um, horrific images coming out of India, uh, which was in the midst of, a, of its uh, Delta wave, um, uh, and the Delta variant was actually discovered in India. And yeah, that was back before it was even called the Delta variant. It was like the Indian double mutant variant or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, I cannot tell you how um, and this was this was all happening at the same time. This is roughly around March, April. Um, and um, and I um, would get uh, phone calls from friends. Um, I'm sitting here in Ottawa and they had asked me if I could hook them up with someone who could get them an oxygen cylinder. They were ready to pay thousands of rupees, whatever, you name the price, or I could, I'm, I'm willing to uh, pay as much as I, you know, as much as it's required for me to get a hospital bed. I just want to be able to get to a hospital. Uh, and several of my uh, friends died uh, because I wasn't able to help them. And again, these were individuals who were unvaccinated. And I so felt strongly about vaccination at that at that time, and I felt that this was. And remember, the public messaging at that time was uh, Joe Biden was saying at that time that uh, vaccination reduce uh, will will prevent transmission. So I, I, I and I, I uh, sincerely believed it, and I truly felt that getting double vaccinated would bring us take us back to a pre uh, pre COVID times. Um, and and also these personal stories, these personal experiences I had, not just with my parents and with uh, friends and um, friends back in India. I uh, you know it it, it really did um, have a very traumatic effect on me, um, uh, which you know I mean I that tweet of mine when I sent it. Um, nobody even knew me in Canada at that time. It's only getting traction now because they've, you know, it was discovered yeah. in the context of my story. Uh, the initial tweet barely even got any traction. I don't think any, you know, I had a handful of retweets at that time. Nobody even knew me. Um, and uh, but th that it, that's neither here nor there. The point is that you know I was in a very bad place. And uh, and I felt that uh, mandates were a way of um, nudging people into um, getting vaccinated. Uh, I hadn't, you know, obviously, um, you know, my you know my thinking on this has changed since then. Um, and again, there was a, um, you know, I realized, uh, uh, you know, just a 
couple of months down the road that the vaccine passport system wasn't making any sense. Uh, and the rhetoric against the unvaccinated was just uh, getting uh, out of control, I thought. I mean, my tweet uh, itself uh, is pretty uh, strong in its wording, but uh, the fact that uh, politicians were now using vaccination as a political wedge issue, as Justin Trudeau did, um, this is something I pointed out in my big story for Barry Weiss, uh, which came out on August 2nd, uh, that the federal vaccine mandate for travel was, uh, was uh, you know, had no scientific rationale. It was really used as an election issue. Um, mm -hmm. And it was at that point that I started to realize that this was not about public health, really. It was about something else. It was... Uh, uh, it was not about saving lives or protecting uh, protecting us from COVID. It was about winning elections. And then, uh, you know, subsequently, a few as, as time went on, um, uh, you had uh, the prime minister uh, calling unvaccinated people misogynist, racist, and should we tolerate these people? Um, and the rhetoric just kept, uh, just get, getting, uh, just was getting, um, uh, you know, really divisive and uh, nasty, and uh, it made me feel very uncomfortable. And uh, finally, in December, I um, got my um, uh, third shot, uh, uh, and and um, I, um, I, I have to say, I largely did that because I was um, uh, possibly visiting my parents at that time transitioning through Germany and I believe Germany was requiring requiring at that time a booster uh, a dose and so I just wanted to have that in case I was uh, in case I was uh, going to travel uh, but then I got omicron um, a few days after I got the vaccine and uh, and then I realized well this is so much for the vaccine passport system so much for the vaccine mandates and then um, but also, you know, my own uh, personal experiences, I've seen people, you know, in the cold waiting to get into restaurants, uh, looking in because they can't dine, dine in uh, uh, from the outside looking in. And, uh, and these were just, this was just heartbreaking, you know, and I, you know, I, at this point I had art, you know, I was starting to process my own trauma, my own pain and suffering. And I was in a position to be able to, um, uh, actually step out of my shoes and, and, and see what, what it was like for other people. Um, and, uh, and then the Quebec government, um, 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 sorry, before that, um, Ontario went back into lockdown as did several other provinces. Remember, we were told that uh, you get fully vaccinated, there will be no more lockdowns and restrictions. Those days are behind us. And, um, and these are just really the end days of the pandemic. But uh, what ended up happening instead was the uh, our provincial governments here panicked and put us back into um, a semi lockdown. And I really felt a very, you know, um, that I thought that was a betrayal of uh, public trust. And, um, and, you know, when we were promised that we wouldn't go back into lockdown, here I was adhering to all of these um, public health measures. I was triple vaccinated and, and here I am. I can't go to the gym because it's under lockdown. We're under lockdown. I can't do this. I can't do that. You can't go to museums, art galleries. Everything was off limits once again. And then, um, and then the fear mongering once again began. Uh, hospital capacity issues, uh, Omicron. The rest of the world was saying Omicron was mild, but 
our health authorities here were saying that Omicron was not mild, it was very deadly. And, um, and, and so then it made me wonder, like, what's the point of vaccination? Why are we panicking again? You know, why did we, why did, why did we, why did we do all that we did to get to this point to once again panic like we're back in March of 2020? And, uh, and and so uh, and then the Quebec government was uh, toying around with the idea of uh, taxing the unvaccinated, and I was um, uh, my views on on this were um, starting to um, uh, you know they, they were they were they were they were getting well known and on Twitter and so someone at TVO reached out to me and asked me if I would debate uh, be on a debating panel. So it was Roman Babber and I against um, two other uh, individuals. One one of them being a Globe and Mail columnist who um, really wanted, you know, the uh, the unvaccinated to be um, ostracized and just um, just just really essentially kicked out of society. And uh, and I uh, didn't agree with his views. And so I debated, um, uh, you know, I was on this panel on TVO and my views uh, on the unvaccinated was that uh, that 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 their marginalization needs to end. And then a couple of weeks later, or three weeks later, the Freedom Convoy protests happened, and that also was an eye-opening experience for me. So, in short, that's my that 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 was the evolution in my thinking. That was my journey. So, I I don't know if I would say that was short. You answered a couple of questions that I was about to ask there, so I, I can uh, skip ahead because I think it was interesting to me seeing a lot of the response that you got when people went back and I think in bad faith started digging up that tweet and, and using it to make whatever claim, I didn't see it as a gotcha moment. I mean, this wasn't like something that you were ashamed to say. You were saying it because you believed it at the time. And there was also something that really didn't sit well with me about how people engaged with that tweet months later in, or a year later, I guess, because I felt like, what's the point of talking about these issues if we don't want people to change their minds on them? What's the point of having these conversations if we don't expect that it's possible for people to change them? Because I, I think what you went through, and obviously you had your own reasons for it, were very similar, at least in the general trajectory, to where a lot of Canadians were on this. If not, you know, by the fall of 2021, certainly by the time the winter came around and people were still feeling like they were living under this boot of restrictions and law lockdowns and and mandates mm -hmm. uh yeah absolutely i don't think my 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 experience is somehow unique in this as i say in my column uh well first of all uh andrew um uh, yes, uh, just uh, um, responding to the reactions out there of people who are who are anti-mandates and they they felt that i was one of them and that they felt uh, betrayed at the this position that I'd taken. But for one thing, no, none of these people even knew me back then. Like I said, I was a nobody. Nobody even uh, knew of me. And, um, and uh, yeah, a so lot of them only just start. I mean, I've been a fan of you since you started writing in the National Post, but a lot of people in that orbit anyway didn't start connecting with you until the time of the convoy or shortly exactly. before that. Exactly, exactly. I would say that's probably when, or when I started writing about Omicron in early January is probably when I, uh, you know, many of these people discovered me. Um, you know, yes, the responses were unfortunate, but I also see them as um, also having suffered through this process. And uh, I mean, of course they did. Uh, many of them lost their jobs. Many of them were on leave without pay. And so I, I, I get where they're coming from. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to point out that, you know, it doesn't take, you know, this was being used uh, 
by, by many of my detractors to try to discredit the story that I broke, which is kind of, um, it's, it's a self-destructive move if you, if, if, you know, you know if, if, I, if, I, if I may say that, because the larger story here is not my story, my, my tweet from August of 2021. The, the story here is not me, the story is this, the fact that the federal government had no scientific rationale for these mandates. And especially when, 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 they, when they've made it very clear that these mandates could be brought back in anytime at the drop of a hat, uh, if they feel that uh, the situation warrants it. So, you know, that's the, that's the issue that we, we should be focusing on, but I'm happy to share my story. Uh, and which is why, you know, I agreed to speak, speak to you about it. And which is a, 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 an important reason why I also wrote this column for the National Post. Um, and um, yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, that, that uh, people reacted the way they did. Um, but uh, I, but I, I suspect that I'm not alone in this. Um, uh, I suspect that a lot of people were, were, were gripped by fear and paranoia. And as I say in my, um, in my column, um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm someone who, you know, generally thinks through the issues and, uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, and comes to a decision about uh, various things. And I'm, I consider myself to be pretty rational minded. Um, I'm not someone who, you know, gets taken in by the hysteria. Um, but, you know, it was a very unique um, time in my life. Um, I yeah. can't expect people to understand uh, what well, it feels to not be able to see your parents who may die from COVID uh, because they were unvaccinated. And at that time, the public messaging was vaccination uh, will uh, prevent you from getting COVID. Um, and, uh, and that's where I was coming from, plain and simple. But uh, then I started you know, as I was processing my own trauma, you know, and I was in a position to um, uh, read what was, uh, read about what was happening out there, um, you know, I started to see things from a different perspective. I started to see, I started to hear these other stories, um, and I started to um, see that this was not right, um, and uh, something was not right about this, and I changed my mind. I, I had a change of heart. And I think let me, that's... Let me ask you about, Rupa, the fear aspect there, because you, you mentioned it, and I don't want to lose that thread, because the, the big challenge here, and I remember March 2020 very well, when I think most people in this country, liberal, conservative, didn't matter, were looking at the headlines and the photos coming out of China, and then later Iran and Italy, and, and as you mentioned, later on India, and we were seeing all of these things that in, in certainly March 2020 terms, we couldn't really conceptualize, we hadn't lived through. And I think there was a sense of community. There was a sense of let's do what we need to do to get through this. And people started to become more skeptical of that at, at very different intervals. Some people started early on being very skeptical of the official narrative, like April 2020. For others, it took them until, you know, maybe January 2022. But, but people have, have gradually started to become more skeptical I, I think, generally speaking. But I think government's answer to that skepticism has been fear that at first it was you are going to die. And then when that didn't work, your grandma's going to die. Your neighbors are going to die. Everyone's going to die. And, and at a certain point, 
we still see people now that are living in fear. I, I mean, I've been yeah. out in the world, I've been on airplanes, and you see people that look like they're about to go into a nuclear facility yeah. with how, uh, like, you know, shrouded yeah, yeah, they are in yeah. uh, PPE and masks. And and I sometimes people mock those images of people, but I actually feel very bad for people because a lot of them have been made to fear this life and this world by government. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I mean, it's easy to mock them, but I, I think we should uh, be, um, um, you know, more sympathetic. We should be more mindful of their experiences, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, they've succumbed to fear. And what is tra tragic about this is that I see a lot of young people um, uh, masked up, double masked, triple masked. Um, it's, it's not- and, and they're the ones who need it the least. Yeah, so something is going on here. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we need to be able to address that at some point uh, without uh, mocking these individuals. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we all look, March of 2020, I found myself in India, I was under the world's harshest lockdown, uh, where the Prime Minister of India, uh, locked down a country of 1.1 billion people. Um, you know, I'd not, I'd never experienced anything so draconian. Uh, that was also a pretty tra a traumatic experience. Hospitals were closed. You couldn't get a prescription from the drugstore. Everything was closed. Um, uh, for the first few days, uh, there was very little um, in, in the way of, uh, you know, you couldn't get groceries. It was, it was, it was not, uh, people started hoarding. It was not a good situation. And there was mm -hmm. a big, a large migrant exodus again these were gripping images from India that you know everybody around the world saw of uh, people literally walking from the big cities back to their towns and villages walking for thousands of miles just to get to where they were uh, get to their homes because the cities no longer had jobs everything was shut down uh, they no longer had their jobs in the cities um, and uh, I remember at that time writing a series of articles for an Indian think tank um, um, and I was a big proponent of the Great uh, Barrington Declaration. I still am. Um, I was anti-lockdowns. I, um, I, I, the Great Barrington Declaration hadn't yet come out at that point, but I was a big fan of Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, and I referenced his work quite extensively, and I was of the opinion that um, lockdowns should, uh, sh shouldn't happen and, uh, and that we must uh, protect the most vulnerable uh, people in long-term care homes and retirement homes, that kind of thing. And, and I even by the way, I should just jump in there. Even the WHO has come around on that position exactly. somewhat. They're saying, oh, lockdowns are terrible. No, they should be a last resort only. Exactly. So, and the criticism that I, uh, the, the, you know, at that time, again, this was uh, people reacting to what I was writing at that time said that I was a COVID denier. I was underplaying the seriousness of COVID um, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, you know, at that time, when I, when I returned to Canada, um, I uh, was the only person wearing a mask when I uh, when I went to my local farm boy after the 14 day quarantine, uh, I went grocery shopping uh, and I was wearing a mask because that's what we were told in India, wear a mask. Uh, and I was the only one wearing a mask. Everybody was just going about their daily lives. Nobody seemed afraid. I, I thought that everybody was just like trying to figure out what was happening uh, in uh, April of 2020 when I returned to Canada. Um, and uh, and then I realized, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna wear a mask if nobody else is wearing a mask and I stopped wearing a mask. Then the, then the mask mandate came into effect in July of 2020, and things really changed at that point. I think people um, got very fearful. People 
truly felt that the masks were helping them. They they were uh, and that it was it was uh, 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 preventing transmission of the virus and uh, and people. Uh, you know, I just saw people who were who 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 didn't think that wearing a mask would make much sense suddenly became fearful and were double masked, uh, even. Um, and I saw, you know, I saw this happening, and I just went along with it because, you know, I'm not going to fight a public health mandate. Uh, you know, I, I need to be able to come back into my building uh, and access the elevator, uh, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, be a martyr for that cause. Uh, so I just went along with it, like most people did. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've seen not just, you know, a change in my thinking around these various issues. I've also seen how the public has reacted, you know, the public reacted to this, you know, from, from when April 2020, when no one was masked and everybody was just, you know, that summer of 2020 in Ottawa, you know, everybody was just really happy that, you know, you could dine out and, uh, and, and life was there, was, there was a glimmer of hope that life was going to come back to normal and then the vaccines would arrive here in a few months and everything would be back to normal. But un that unfortunately wasn't the case. I would like to point this out to you, Andrew. I mean, this is a very puzzling question that um, several of us have raised and there's no clear answer to this except that there was fear. So why did we become more afraid after vaccines? You know, all of yeah. these restrictions, all of these restrictions, the mandates of the vaccine passport system, all of that happened post vaccination. 80% of Canadians uh, um, um, were um, fully vaccinated by about October, um, a few days before the mask mandate, uh, sorry, before the vaccine mandate was implemented, the federal vaccine mandate was implemented. Why? Um, you know, what, what, what was the rationale behind that? And again, I want to point this point, uh, you know, if, if I can point you to the court documents um, uh, in this cross-examination of the bureaucrat uh, charged with holding the pen uh, for the federal mandate uh, for travel, federal vaccine mandate for travel. Um, she makes a very interesting point. Uh, she says, look, we couldn't do the vaccine mandate when 50% of Canadians are vaccinated because it would cause chaos in the transportation system. But instead, we did this at 80%. That makes no sense. Why, you know, you'd want to incentivize people to get vaccinated at a much lower percentage. But, you know, but why would you do it when more than 80% of Canadians are vaccinated? What exact, what purpose does it serve? So, you know, I wonder where we were going with this, you know, was just everybody really afraid? Was it politics? What's going on here? Why did we become more afraid after vaccination? Yeah, and I I think that there's a, a that's a hugely hugely critical question, Rupa, because there have been I think two phenomena at play that I would identify. One is is that when everyone around you was wearing a mask, not you, but you know one, when everyone around someone was wearing a mask, it was easy to feel like okay, this is all sorted out. When the number of people interested in complying goes down. If you view that an, unma an unmasked person is a viral vector, you're going to be more scared when other people start moving on with their lives and you're not ready to yet. I think that's part of it. But I think the other part is, is that governments have done a, a terrible job at explaining away their failures. Because at first, and there are some clips you can see of some people saying that vaccination is 100% effective. And early on saying herd immunity will get at you know 70% and then 80% and then 90% and then it needs to be more. And then and, well, now it's three doses, so we go back down to only 50% of people are vaccinated in the government's eyes. And 
I mean, even the story that I was covering earlier this week on my show of Western University putting a, a booster requirement in place, they also say in the same breath, and we might also put social distancing and masking back in place. So which is it? Are, are vaccines as good as you say they are? Or are they just as effective as sitting six feet away from someone and you have to stack anything and everything together? And, and we're all just told that we have to accept that that's the way it is. And if you question it, you, as you noted firsthand, you're a denier. You can't say, well, hang on, well, how can you say this and then also this? It's, you, we aren't allowed to do that. No, we're not. That's unfortunate, and that's uh, that that's um, uh, very anti-intellectual, and it uh, not not how you know we should um, you know that's not how you uh, uh, you know understand issues, uh, important issues of the day. Um, it, it's not it's not a way for uh, for us to uh, have any kind of a meaningful conversation if uh, if 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 the response always is a, is a smear of some kind that you're an anti-vaxxer, you're a COVID denier. Um, and uh, and that you don't believe in the science or 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 Twitter shut suspends your account because you raise some very important questions about um, the vaccine's ability to prevent transmission. Uh, it's it's most unfortunate, but but that's exactly you know that the, these were exactly the kinds of questions that I had, and um, and it took me a while. I mean, it took me maybe a couple of months to get around to this uh, point of view, but and 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 you know most of it. I mean, it's not an excuse but most of it had to do with my own personal situation um and that you know i started to realize like what is going on here i mean i um you know we're we're vaccinated but yet uh we're still fearful uh the, the public health messaging uh, uh on the pandemic um at least here in canada uh, continues to be one of fear um, and uh and I, and i just found that hugely problematic um and uh, you know, I mean, I know people who are triple vaccinated who were still at one point a few months ago uh, wanting to just, you know, uh, not not congregate in more than, uh, you know, in, in, in not more than five people in a group. And I was thinking, well, yeah, yeah, but that, we, we also have this wave of quadruple vaccinated people that are getting covid for the second time in four weeks now. <laughs> And also, let's not forget, I mean, this is a very important point, which, you know, and I couldn't, unfortunately, couldn't get into it in my piece for the National Post. Natural immunity, you know, this is the elephant in the room, and we've just completely sidelined it. I mean, it's it's something as old as time itself, but, and we just doubled down on vaccination. By, you know, by the time Omicron came around, most of us were either vaccinated or infected, combination of both. Um, but yet we were living in fear. And so, you know, we just completely ignored the science behind natural immunity, which is perplexing. I mean, of course, I mean, uh, you know, one could argue that, I mean, it's not that perplexing given that big pharma has an incentive here to push the vaccines as much as possible. And governments, including our government, have signed uh, billion dollar contracts with these big pharmaceutical companies to get the vaccines into us. Um, so there is that reason. But, uh, but you know, I mean, this was my question back in November and December. I mean, why are we not looking at natural immunity? Why is it that you can fly to Germany and several European countries with the proof of recovery from vaccination, but that's not something that we were doing here in Canada or the U.S.? Um, it was uh, it was it it was perplexing. It made no sense, and I know, and I was. They say follow the science, but where's the science here? 
and uh, and, uh, and then so you know I was gripped by all of these questions and uh, and I wasn't really getting any clear answers on them um, and to them and uh, I uh, you know and then that that eventually I realized I mean this was I'll, I'll tell you even with my the with me wearing a mask um, uh, you know I was triple vaccinated and I got Omicron and I recovered from Om Omicron drinking hot toddy for a week and it was it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, Pfizer doesn't make the hot toddy though. That's not a, that's not an acceptable cure. <laughs> and um, and and uh, you know, and then a month later, the uh, or more than a month later, the Freedom Convoy protests um, came to Ottawa, and here I was for the first time in this crowd of people, large group of people. They were happy. They were unmasked. They were not afraid. Uh, I was still a little afraid. And I was wondering, why am I afraid? You know, why, I, why, why, you know, why am I wearing a mask outdoors? We were told that being outdoors is actually pretty safe. You don't have to be masked when you're outdoors. But for those first couple of blocks, I was actually wearing a mask. And, and I thought to myself, this makes no sense. Um, uh, and, uh, and I'm also recovered from uh, COVID and I've been triple vaccinated. I probably had COVID early on in the pandemic back in January, 2020. Uh, you know, I was, you know, very sick and I, and I probably recovered from COVID at that time. So I was thinking, but this is, the science tells you, you have the antibodies, you have your outdoors, so you're you know, at very low risk of getting anything. So why are you so afraid? And that's when I took my mask off um, and I've never looked back. So, you know, all of these experiences, um, you know, had uh, an effect, had an impact on, you know, in, in, in my own, uh, you know, in my own thinking. And, uh, and that's how I came to be, uh, you know, uh, very anti-mandate. Let me ask you about your position on the vaccines themselves, because you've explained how the, your position on the mandates has changed. Has your position on vaccination and uh, to get vaccinated, has that changed? Um, so I've drawn a line in the sand personally for myself. I'm not going to get another booster. Um, and, um, um, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I just won't do that. Um, I, I, I do believe and unless the facts change, I look at the data, I look at, um, uh, the stuff that public health Ontario publishes. I see the data from other countries and vaccination does play an important role, um, especially, uh, in certain age groups. Uh, so I'm not, I don't think it makes sense to boost or vaccinate young people, um, but I, I I think it might make sense, say for my parents, for example, um, yeah. and uh, you know those who are immunocompromised and uh, in certain age groups. Uh, and the data does show there that vaccination does play an important role. Um, now, so that's my position on uh, vaccination. So personally, I would not get another shot. Um, and, um, and for various reasons, I don't think that I want to be on a carousel of boosters. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think it makes any sense. I have, uh, recovered from COVID, um, and, you know, I have antibodies, um, uh, keep in mind that, uh, the, 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 uh, vaccine that I got in December of 2021, um, that, uh, the, uh, the vaccine effectiveness or, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, its protection only lasted for, I think, 12 weeks or 20 weeks, something thereabouts. So, you know, I, I don't think we're meant to be on these frequent boosters. You know, I, it's something about that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And in France, you'd be unvaccinated basically come September because I think France, it's a nine month window of memory serves. Right, right, right. So, something like that, 230 days, or uh, that's what uh, most European countries uh, 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 insist on. So, um, no, my, my view on uh, vaccination is very clear. I've uh, written, written in favor of uh, vaccination that uh, if, you, if you feel you must get vaccinated, go, go and get vaccinated. I think it makes sense for certain groups, um, uh, and uh, but I am anti-vaccine mandate, and there is a big difference between the two. There is, and, and one of the things that I, I've been frustrated by, and I don't know if you've seen it as well, is that there seems to be a tribalism among some people who are against vaccine mandates, where they, I mean, I've been criticized by people for being vaccinated and saying I'm vaccinated. Now, again, the government keeps changing the definition, so a time will come when I won't be, but the thing that I, I would find very annoying there is that at the beginning, I was always about protect the vulnerable. And that didn't mean it didn't exist. It doesn't mean there's no benefit to this thing. It's about people deciding their own risk threshold and deciding the risk threshold for their loved ones. And I, I find that there's been too much in a very small pocket, admittedly, but a, but a very small pocket, even of some of the people that listen to this show and, and write to me after, that they find anyone who gets vaccinated or gets boosted to be a, a betrayer in some sense of a cause, which is, I, again, I think no better than what we see the other side doing, side, which is yeah. uh, people vilifying the unvaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. There's tribalism on both sides, let's face it. And, um, and uh, but uh, I, you know, but I wouldn't, I, I don't know how big these groups are, uh, but I would say that uh, for um, that the vast majority of people who um, um, who were reacting to um, uh, this old tweet, um, you know, were were very kind, very tolerant, very supportive, um, uh, you know, and uh, very appreciative of the fact that I was being honest about it and upfront about it, and um, and so the the responses I, I received. Uh, were very um, encouraging and supportive, very overwhelming, and uh, you know, I, and I would say that there, yeah, there are a few people on uh, on uh, who are anti mandates, anti vaccinate, anti vaccines, um, and uh, or may or or you know, to qualify that properly, they're not anti vaxxers but they have particular issues with the mRNA vaccines or. COVID-19 vaccines in general. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know how big their, their numbers are, but I would just, mm -hmm. just gauging, uh, just going by the reactions that I've been getting, most people are, you know, very appreciative and, um, and, 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 uh, you know, make the point that you made earlier, which is, you know, you, you want people to be able to come around to a certain point of view, you want you want critical thinking in society. You want people to be able to go through these issues and not not stick to a position uh, come hell or high water. You know, you you, you yeah. want to be able to. I, yeah, I would not do this show if I didn't think it was possible and desirable for people to engage with different viewpoints and perhaps yeah. change their own. I mean, that's classic. Go right back to John Stuart Mill and on liberty. The idea that uh, the exchange of ideas uh, strengthens your own resolve and also lets you uh, correct deficiencies in your thinking when necessary. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's important for, uh, you know, discourse, uh, especially when it comes to these very important issues, as I said, I mean, if, 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 if the starting point is, oh, you changed your mind because of, uh, because you, uh, you know, you 
benefit from this monetarily. I don't even know how that's happening. I mean, I, um, you know, I've been called all kinds of things. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because it doesn't advance discourse, right? Which is what we want to do. At least that's, mm-hmm. I'm in the idea space, right? I'm not an activist. I'm not an activist at all. Um, I'm, um, you know, I, I see myself as someone who's in the idea space. I want to be able to advance discourse. I want to be able to put these ideas out there and for people to debate and discuss them and come to their own conclusions. Uh, 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 you know, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to take it from me. So I, uh, but, you know, I think I think most people see that. Most people recognize the importance of ideas, the importance of people being able to change their views um, and uh, the importance of critical thinking. Uh, I think most Canadians value that. Um, and uh, a few people want to, want, you know, want to resort to tribalism. Well, what can you do about that? You know, I, you know, eventually I'm hoping that uh, they'll also come around and uh, and it'll be better for all of us. Well, and it, part of it is listening to your great show on True North, the Rupa Subramanya show, and also reading your work. And uh, listen to mine while you're at it as well. Rupa, always good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks for having me on your show once again. Thank you. That was Rupa Subramanya here on The Andrew Lawton Show. That does it for us for today. We'll be back with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show next week. You're listening to The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.